0: Hello and welcome back again. We are now also joined by Johnny Patterson, who is the co-founder of Dr. Poor, And Hello. we'll come back to that in just a second, because yes. obviously I spoke to your wife just this week. Yes. Um, and we are also joined by Sean Flanagan, Operations Director, UK and France at Avery. So uh, just in a couple of sentences, each of you, Johnny, for anyone who doesn't know, and I think most people do, because I've been talking about your lip balm yes. uh, this morning, because I ha- did have some on. I've okay. been talking too much, so it might have come. <laughs> uh, but yeah, for anybody who doesn't know, it's balms and other moisturizing products, right?
1: Yeah, uh, does, does everyone know Dr. Paw Paw? Anyone heard of us? just want to see a quick show of hands. Yeah, of course. We've got a few here, that's good, that's good. It's always a good sign just to see how good our PR is working. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're Dr. Paw Paw. Uh, it's a multitasking beauty brand. Uh, cr- it first started out with balms, and we've gone into hand creams, hair care, shampoos, and conditioner conditioners, but all made here in the UK. Uh, and always trying to give back. So giving a percentage of our sales to charities. So you're feeling good while doing good.
0: Mm -hmm. Amazing. And in fact, they will be featured in the How I Made It slot that we've all been talking about uh, earlier in the Sunday Times on Sunday. And that's just some freaky coincidence. We didn't plan that, (laughs) even though I know it looks that way. It looks organised. We really, really didn't. Um, Sean, tell us a bit about your business, because as much as I love lip balms, I also love what you guys do.
2: Um, Yeah, I I, I guess... We call ourselves internally material technologists, but, uh, but f- f- for, the, for the sake of everybody in the normal world, <laughs> we, we, we sell sticky labels uh, of one description or another, uh, uh, and our uh, original. Foundation business was built around office supplies and filing, which has been a challenge, right? Um, But more recently, we've got into uh, sort of e commerce selling, printing labels for people for small SMEs and things like that. So that's been a big uh, diversification for us.
0: Okay, just so I'm getting this straight so it's labels for packaging, for sending things out to customers. What what kinds of labels? Labels
2: for for jars. Label for packaging. Industrial applications, you you know, if 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 you're on a boat sailing across the Atlantic and you need to have a label on something, then it tends to be our labels that you, you use. But we also print for you if you if you're a small honey maker we will we'll make short run labels for for your business
0: okay and i wasn't joking right so i have become the unofficial packaging correspondent for the times i have been writing about packaging for the last couple of months and i've really got into it actually and stopped sniggering ollie barrett there in the back Mm -hmm. but jokes aside like packaging has been in really short supply right because of Mm. as you said the boom in e-commerce the big guys like amazon those I nearly swore then it's the end of two <laughs> long days those buggers stealing all the boxes right so how is it for you guys is it a bit is it a bit nuts it at the it moment it's
2: it's it is absolutely nuts yeah we, uh, we uh, suppliers are coming in with double digit demands for increases all the time and and uh and, and uh, our head of purchasing is almost on the phone or on 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 calls to to suppliers almost daily fo- fo- sword fighting to try and reduce um, uh, the impact so it's it's hard yeah,
0: mm-hmm. for sure. so just you know if anybody has missed the news hasn't been reading the times uh, we're talking here obviously about the cost of raw materials going through the roof right so that's around cardboard uh, there's all sorts of things metals um you i'm sure you've seen it in your line of work as well right
3: i'm working uh, on forecasting 12 months in advance mm-hmm. so you know mm-hmm. I need boxes, I'm buying them 12 months in advance.
0: Yeah, that's nuts. And the same with you, Johnny. I was obviously speaking to your wife about it just this week.
1: Um, eight years we've been trading, and uh, in April we'll have our first major cost rise. Uh, people might say, why didn't you do a rise over these past seven years? But we were trying to establish ourselves in the market with a price, make sure that everybody understood, but there is no way that we could face another 12 months without a, a price rise. Uh, and that's mainly because of cardboard, um, ingredients, all sorts of of issues that we've faced. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's been imperative that we we do it.
0: And how do you you know how do you make that decision? Because obviously <laughs> we were all kind of hoping that some of these problems were temporary, right? And they yes. would be fixed. You know, as soon as the pandemic's over, as soon as we've got through mm. Brexit but it just seems like there's one hurdle after another. So how do you make that decision?
1: I I wanted to do it last year, uh, but I felt that in the current climate, I just wanted to play it safe, not cause too much problems with the customers that we already had. I just wanted just to make sure that we kept our customers and they continue to buy and we carried on doing the volume that we do. We are an FMCG business, so it's all about turn of, of goods so um as soon as it felt comfortable to do so we've 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 done it and we've actually got a lot of support from our customers uh, i feel that we've we've done it fairly we've chosen a price that's right and you know we're going to try and not increase again too quickly uh but it, it feels right, it's the right time.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, why don't you tell us a bit about your exporting journey? Where was your first market outside of the UK with Dr. Pawpaw? And did it happen by accident or design?
1: It happened by accident because I met a lady on uh, a train who was from the Department for International Trade and uh, anybody who's a big fan of the secret and the power of positivity and bringing things into your life. uh, I was on a a train coming back from Manchester and there was a lady across from me who was using a competitor lip balm. I won't say uh, what it was or who it was. uh, I said, you don't want to be using that. (laughs) Uh, And pulled out one of my balms and said, please try this. And she said, this is incredible. She said, where do you make this? And I said, it's all made here in the United Kingdom. And at the time, Uh, this was 2014 Uh, the gov were really trying to get British brands to do more exporting there were they felt that many British brands were just nervous of exporting so obviously I I met the DIT and they gave me my first grant to go to Bologna uh, which is a big beauty show that happens every March in Bologna hasn't been happening for a couple of years Uh, but uh, we went to the show I didn't know anything. I didn't know what I was doing, but I managed to pick up six or seven new countries very quickly. Uh, Places like Poland, uh, Israel, and yet that's where our international uh, business uh, started. And some people will say to, to, to us, me and Pauline, you know, how did you have so much conviction or confidence to do it? But I don't think it felt like that. We just did it because... If I'm being honest, that's where the orders came from. (laughs) So it was funding our business at the time and and we went for it. But uh, that's where it all started from, just that moment on a train.
0: Mm -hmm. That's amazing. I love those kind of serendipitous moments, right? They're they're everything, but also grasping that opportunity, right? Telling her she's using the wrong lip balm. We wouldn't all have the gumption to do that. Well,
1: yeah, I'm a bit cheeky (laughs) Uh, and I think you you, you have to be. And, you know, when I was at Bologna, you know, I, I heard that there was a Primark buyer going beside and I thought, Shall I chase her as she was walking away? And I did, I just chased her down and and grabbed her and brought her back to the stand and had a long chat. And the next minute we were in Primark. So I think it is all about those moments and grabbing that opportunity. Mm -hmm. You really do have to because somebody else will.
0: Yeah. And what about trade shows? So when I was speaking to your wife, she was saying that you picked up UK distributors at overseas trade shows as well, which I think is really interesting.
1: Sainsbury's, in fact. So 2018 uh, in Bologna, again, we we managed to pick up Sainsbury's, which obviously you all know Sainsbury's, which was incredible. Uh, Yeah, we've picked up, uh, I think it was House of Fraser back then, many, many British retailers, which is is odd that we have to travel six, seven hundred miles to meet British retailers. Uh, but I have to say, I mean, if you are trying to expand your business, attending trade shows, the right ones, and trying to do some of these speed dating events where you get to spend 20 minutes in a room with a with a buyer, which sounds wrong. Uh, but uh, that's how we built, you know, our 10,000 doors in America where we got to meet some great retailers. Uh, you have to take these opportunities. Mm-hmm. They look quite expensive, and they are expensive, actually. <laughs> but... Well worthwhile if okay. you execute it well.
0: I think there's some good tips there. And what about and what about you, Sean? Have you been to many trade shows? What's been your experience? And what's the kind of exporting journey that you've been on?
2: Um, we've not been to so many trade shows lately. Yeah. There's there's our big in industry ones like Label Expo and and, and the, uh, uh, the bo- boss uh, the boss industry um, trade shows. But um, generally the the the, the Export has been interesting for us because we we launched new products in the last few years in in, in the e-commerce area, and, it, and it's been all about trying to build build competence in where we're the strongest. So in the UK, we, we launched and we served the rest of Europe a, 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 as best we could. But as that journey has gone along, we, we've started to build expertise in France, in the Benelux countries, in, in Germany, and then that's been followed by um a little bit of manufacturing uh uh, uh uh to just become more competent in each region but fairly slowly and and and, and with some patience
0: mm-hmm. so what's your biggest export market
2: france yeah, 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 yeah. And, and still is by, yeah, it's... Um, it's
0: and is that because you oversee it, right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it's 30% of, of what we do No, yeah. So it's, it, uh, that France has been strong for us. Yeah.
0: So let's talk about Brexit then. We can't escape mm. it on this panel, right? Um, so what's the impact been for you? And I think there's some really interesting stuff, again, label, packaging geek over yeah. here. Um, but in the labelling of things, because of us leaving the EU, that's had implications, hasn't it?
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, mostly about labelling in its most general form about administrative documentation. You, 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 we UK business is, is, is amazingly adaptable, and we worked really hard to prepare for it. Yeah. Some things like VAT, the government didn't help us much with at the time beforehand, but we we got there. But what you got to remember is the businesses in the European zone, which now is they didn't do that you know so you you had to work really closely and help help your partners um but the first couple of months were pretty tough you know working out all the uh uh, custom declarations and things like that that took us a while but it but it wasn't as bad as we feared and it's still it's still relatively easy to do business you just lose a bit of lead time and Mm -hmm. and and you have to do more labeling more more uh more documentation but
0: speed is everything right when you're talking about dealing with those e-commerce clients we were talking yesterday about speed just you know it it matters so much we want everything Mm. on demand we want everything more quickly so if your labels get stuck at a port for three weeks i mean that's just not great news is it
2: no and 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 honestly that didn't happen so much you know you know we we'd we'd prepared pretty well so so, and and we we've got a hub and spoke model where we we ship uh, on pallet freight and then and then spoke out through one of the uh, the freight companies in the region whether it's France or the Netherlands so 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 that helps but it's if you get your customs declarations right then then it 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 became better Mm -hmm. very quickly but the first January and February were were pretty tough going Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. yeah I want to hear your reflections in a second Jacob but I would like to hear yours first. So on Brexit, mm. what were the implications for you guys? Did you Do you um, deal directly with customers via e-commerce in uh, Europe or is it all through retailers?
1: It was through, well, it's through distributors and uh, retailers. But I think the biggest impact, and I think what was being discussed there, is time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the time to learn what to do, how to do it. Um, interestingly enough, I thought we'd get more information from, from Gov. And I think they were almost like, well, we don't really know either. So we had to dig ourselves and find out and understand the terms DPP, DAP. Mm. And, you know, <laughs> that was really confusing at the time. But we dug deep we understood it. And I think, so. what you were saying there is exactly right. At the start, a lot of our European partners really didn't understand the terms themselves. So they just wanted us to get everything to their back door as they always did, uh, which was a struggle. But now, just like our American partners, they understand the DAP terms. So, you know, as soon as it gets to the border, they help us get it over and it lands there very quickly. And they understand there's not really any cost implications to them. Mm -hmm. So. That's been the big time saver. But in terms of like uh, DTC, yes, there is some problems that we're facing because it isn't easy to get it into Europe just to single customers. So we are using platforms like Amazon. I mean, I'm talking in beauty field here. Mm -hmm. So Amazon, Zalando, Look Fantastic, uh, which are big beauty online e-tailers that we we deal with
0: yeah because you're hearing horror stories right of you know customers being hit with duties um and you know i know lots of entrepreneurs have actually just turned off e-commerce into europe for the time being until it kind of all works itself out
1: yes yeah and i think if we're being honest we probably did the same and we directed them to our distributors and retailers i mean in the january of is it last year because i feel like the last two years have just become a big mess uh we were launching into uh rossman it's the biggest uh, sorry Rossmann in poland it's 1500 doors and we had no support from anybody mm. there was nobody to talk to uh the retailer of course don't really want to hear your problems they just get it to us and it was a time delivery and if anybody knows about time deliveries it means you know it has to be on a tuesday and it has to be there at two o'clock and if it doesn't get there Goodbye. And then we have to move maybe 18 pallets of stock into a holding area, which costs uh, a lot of money. So we had no real support from anybody. Um, luckily, I, I have some partners across Europe who um, would allow me to use some of their Yori uh, numbers, etc. So we managed to get the stock in. Uh, but as time went on throughout the years, as I said earlier, it, it worked itself out. People understood the term DAP, and now stock is flowing freely into Europe. Mm.
0: For anyone who doesn't understand the term DAP, can you shed some light?
1: It just means, so DPP is where a retailer wants you to get it to their back door, you pay the customs the duties to get it there, whereas DAP, you'll use their uh, import duty, their URI number, and it gets over the border with their support uh, okay. in simple terms.
0: OK, uh, simple, I think we're all cool with simple terms, yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: so <laughs> it it's interesting what you were saying about government, though, because I think that was there was generally a feeling that government, they had put out this message, spent loads of money on advertising uh, through national newspapers that won't be mentioned, but about being prepared, right? You know, it's all about being prepared, but gave absolutely zero detail on how you could do that.
1: Didn't they... Give us this advice on the 24th of December. <laughs> <laughs> was that when we got told that we were leaving?
0: Something. And there like was a that. deal struck?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, before Christmas Day, it, there, there was no support there. I mean, I, and at the end of the day, it was going to go that way. So we just had to be prepared as possible. And like you, like you said, I, I think we got as prepared as we could. Mm. You know, we made sure that all our packaging was correct. You know, we made sure all our paperwork was correct. We made sure all our partners knew. Uh, all the information that they needed to know, and we were ready. Mm -hmm. I think it was just some of our retailers weren't perhaps Mm -hmm. as ready as we were, which is understandable.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Jacob, you mentioned earlier about the Made in Britain brand, right, and how it's always carried so much weight around the world. Um, I posit to you that the Made in Britain brand has been damaged by Brexit just because some people think that now we're a bit of a faff to deal with. What would you say to that?
3: I'll give you an example as well, because uh, we sell bulk. We ferment coconut vinegar in Guildford. We're the only people that do that.
0: What do you need that for?
3: Uh, We we sell it as uh, like an apple cider vinegar, right? And people use it in recipes. Okay. So uh, a customer in Poland uh, bought it during that transition phase, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then uh, whoever the poor lady was dealing with the documents, uh, it was organic certified as well. So you need other bits of paper. Uh, because we're now treated as a third country. So if you don't produce organic food here, you can't export it. I mean, you can't, period. So uh, she, I remember her calling me and she was in tears. And she said, uh, if this doesn't get here, I'm going to quit. And I tried to say, like, why would you quit over, you know, an order? She said, I've put in a lot of effort. I'm not doing this again. It was that painful. Mm-hmm. So, well, my Dutch customer, Talks about Brexit in terms of uh, Johnson, so she doesn't think it's Made in Britain that got damaged. She says Johnson said this, so uh, I'm quite satisfied with this. I, I'm, I'm not a political person, <laughs> but I prefer the Made in Britain brand is preserved. So, uh, so uh, different perspectives, you know. Like we sent a parcel out as a sample to Netherlands last week. We got charged 11 pence in duty and four pounds for administration. So wow, punchy, th- that's just one, that's just one item, mm-hmm. you know.
0: So uh, that means costs have to rise though, right? To, to, to cover that.
3: At the moment, we are not increasing prices. We're hoping that uh, something's going to happen because it can't, you know, we're posturing, we're negotiating with each other. Uh, hopefully the war has brought us back together mm-hmm. and we will find a negotiating table and we'll resolve these issues. Mm-hmm.
0: And so, what about the power of brexit to make us think beyond Europe? We hear a lot about you know when we're, we' we have to be optimists, guys right um, so it's not all about the negatives of brexit. It's also about kind of you know expanding the horizon. We talked about this a little bit yesterday yeah. so I, I can see you want to jump in here is it made you think beyond beyond the immediately obvious territories
1: yeah I, I think there was a lot of reasons why Britain left you know the eu it was Because I think people... I mean, I I still feel people just wanted to change. I think that's what happened. And I think if we'd have been voting today, we wouldn't vote to leave. But I don't want to get into (laughs) politics. Uh, But, uh, yes, we have to look beyond the horizon now. That was the reason why we left. And so we're looking at new markets, although, I mean, I think the the earth hasn't changed, Uh, but places like Australia, India, China, you know, uh, America, we are looking to do more business with them. You know, Johnson, as we talk about, is out there doing trade deals for us? Well, he was until COVID and all sorts of things hit. Uh, But yeah, I think, you know, we as a business have always been trying to look beyond Europe. Uh, we, We tend to look at populations, uh, in countries, I know that's quite uh, lazy. But if I look at somewhere like America, and I'm thinking it's 450 million consumers, you know we'd like a piece of that. So it makes sense to us. Um, so yeah, we tend to look beyond as well as Europe.
0: And you mentioned Australia there, and I find that really interesting because, of course, pawpaw—you yes. know—pawpaw products all basically originated in Australia, right? Correct. And the story, of course, which we will tell in the paper this week, yes, is please that, get a copy. <laughs> is that you guys? <laughs> is that you guys uh, couldn't? You wanted to to bring the products here, right? And you yes. were, you considered being a distributor in the yes. UK? They all said no, so you were like, "Sod it, we'll do it ourselves,", ourselves. which I absolutely love. Yeah. Um, so yeah, <laughs> can you sell them? It's like selling tea to China, isn't it? Iced yeah. I and mean, <laughs> actually, we sell a lot of tea to China in this country. <laughs> we, so, yeah, you know, it's not a great true. example. But yeah, please do expand on that.
1: We're selling to, to Australia? Selling to Australia. Yeah, is there
0: appetite there for yeah, it?
1: Not really, yeah. Oh. I mean, we have tried really hard. I think the thing is, when it's a commodity, in, in Australia, it's a low-price item uh, and it's quite a basic item. Uh, I don't want to get into too much into comparing to competitors, but we've gone 100% natural. We have many other uses. We donate to charities. Our packaging is PCR plastic recyclable. The cardboard is, you know, recyclable. Water soluble ink. So there's a cost involved in that, and so selling back to Australia is a challenge. Mm-hmm. But we will do
0: it. OK. We I be- will do it. I believe, believe. In you. Um, <laughs> Sean, how about you? Have there been any markets that haven't worked? So you said that France is obviously your, your biggest market. Or is there such a thing as having a market that's so weak, do you know what, it's just not actually worth the effort? Uh,
2: and and I, th- I think Johnny just mentioned about population being a, quite a basic estimator. It's not a bad one. Simple. Yeah. And I think that's true. But, uh, but the the markets within Europe are still our biggest trading partners. And although we've had the, all the administration we talked about earlier uh, and the emotion around it, if you look at the, 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 the Europe is the same size as the US and, and mm. you, you mentioned Australia, it's not it's not a big population. Uh, so at the moment, whatever deals come in the future, um, might really allow us to, to, to expand further but i think right now we still focus on 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 europe uh, and, uh, as, as our biggest trading partner and, uh, and, it, and it works for us we've we focused on we focused on what we can do well and and we're, we're still a net importer so there's trucks going back to france every day empty so you can take advantage of that in freight mm-hmm. um so, so it, 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 it seems like everybody wanted to have a bite to the rest of the world right now, but I think there's a bit of wait and see there as well.
0: Mm-hmm. And how about you, Jacob? Have there been any markets that you've kind of gone into and then you've had to pull out again? Uh, ha, ha, has it always been a success? You said you're in 30 countries, which is very impressive. Um, and are some of those a really small slice of the pie and are they still worthwhile if so?
3: Um, actually, I was selling to Ukraine. Uh, oh, yes, you did mention that, yeah. yeah. And uh, during lockdown, uh, I started... Uh, Exporting to Iraq. Uh, I am in discussions with some uh, large US uh, players. Uh, There was, we had done a market entry in Bulgaria. We're very successful in Romania, but in Bulgaria somehow it doesn't work. And uh, just don't know why. (laughs) But, you know, it was the right partner. It was, everything was done, but it just didn't work. Mm. Uh, You just have to. Try again, But, you know, sometimes it it just doesn't align. Mm -hmm.
0: And how about how you market yourself in different countries? And obviously, Alison couldn't join us today, but one of the things she talks about is how some things just don't translate very well, how you need to adapt your marketing. Is this something you've experienced, or is that kind of handled by your distributors in the various different markets?
3: If we did translate something, we would always make sure that someone locally had a look at it. Mm especially if we are translating to a language like Arabic that we can't even read, so... It
0: sounds really obvious, but you'd be surprised how many people don't do that,
3: right? Yeah, possibly, because I heard of this example of a car that was launched in Brazil, and I think it was called Novo, which in Brazilian Portuguese means no-go, so... (laughs) Sounds like something from The Apprentice. Yeah, so (laughs) it's, 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 uh, yeah, it's it's obvious, uh, because, for example, When we were launching Noya Noyster, we had uh, initially used Google Translate to see every language, whether there was anything in there that should prevent us from using it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then we did ask local people as well our existing distributors so uh, it's very important
0: yeah and how about you johnny is there is there a way of marketing in different i think you guys are popular in uh, the far east in the, are you just about to go into korea those kinds of markets which it can be very different can't it the yeah. marketing
1: we're quite established in korea it's actually our best market outside of uh, um, outside of the uk and the us uh, but we've got a great partner there and i think i don't know if you agree i mean having a great partner means everything mm. but um my background is PR and marketing. It's what we specialise in I ran a PR agency for 22 years. And um, we really focused on creating this PR and marketing hub. And that whenever we take on a new distributor, we don't allow them to go and sell our goods until they have education. So they learn all about our products, what we do, why we do it. We then give them all the marketing materials, the information, the press releases, the imagery, the social media content. And we really want them to stick alongside what we're doing. We call it like this pan feel of, of Dr. Paw Paw. So wherever you go in the world, you'll feel like you're hearing the same story. So it's really important to us that they, they, they follow along the lines. But obviously in each country it is different. So they have different isms, different you know stories. So we have to listen to what they have to say as well. But we're always trying to put our feel and touch on their story wherever it goes. Mm-hmm. And we feel it works.
0: And Sean, how do you feel about kind of getting out there? And, you know, we've been talking a lot about the importance of partners, right, in different mm. markets. Obviously, you look after France. Uh, we also hear about breaking bread. You get to go out to France and mm. eat loads of cheese and drink wine with your French partners. But, you know, seriously, on a serious note, kind of that building a relationship with partners on the ground is super important, isn't it?
2: Yeah. I. I, I I'd, you can only do so much via Zoom or Teams, you know, th- th- and th- th- there is nothing like, um, uh, as you say, breaking bread to build, build a relationship. I don't think you can build a relationship o- over a, 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 on, a, on a screen very well. And, and in, in the lockdown, I've seen that when we have really solid partnerships in, in Europe and, and the rest of the world, and they're tested uh, uh, w- when we weren't able to get together, and we've been able to get together a bit now, and that's. That, that's made a big difference, and I think we should work hard to do that, mm. uh, to, 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 get, to get face-to-face with people again is really important, I think.
0: Mm-hmm. I actually remember a great anecdote from Will Butler-Adams. I'm not sure if many of you know him, but he's obviously the managing director of Dr- Brompton Bikes. And when he goes out to New Markets, he goes on bike rides with them. And there's hundreds of them, <laughs> they, they follow him around. He's like the Pied Piper of cycling. <laughs> mm. And it's just absolutely amazing, but you know, they just love it that he's there, he's with them. I think it makes such a difference, doesn't it,
1: Johnny? Definitely. Uh, I've been to Budapest, Helsinki, Palm Springs, New York. I've traveled the world. I mean, we started a business so we could travel. Me and my wife, we could do it together and it's fantastic. But if you really wanna build a relationship with a business and you want them to feel the way that you do, the passion that you feel for your brand, then you need to spend time with them. You need to get to know their family. And it sounds a bit dramatic, but it really makes a difference. You know, I'm on all these, we have WhatsApp groups for all our distributors and retailers and with all their, you know, team on there. We have so many conversations. We share our award wins, you know, the down times, the good times, and it's it's so important. And as you said, I mean, I'm zoomed out. So, mm. I'm sorry if anyone is on Zoom. Yeah. Oh. But, <laughs> but, you know, it's great to be doing this again. Yeah. yeah. You know, being physical. Absolutely.
0: That does sound like quite a lot of admin, though, all those WhatsApp groups. I would be absolutely, my head would or be.
1: How spinning. did we do business without WhatsApp? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I am the king of voice notes. So, uh, I absolutely love it.
0: Do you? What's, oh, your, t- what's your top tip for a good voice note?
1: Uh, don't do it for as long as I do. because <laughs> <laughs> I think the record is six minutes. Uh, And actually, in in China, they do cut it down to 30 seconds. Uh, Is it on WeChat that it stops after 30 seconds, so... So
0: do you just send more of them? Yes.
1: (laughs) 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 I know my team are going to be back there laughing because it's it's terrible how many uh, voice notes I do, but it's great.
0: And and all jokes aside, it is a way of connecting with people Um, that you can't see face to face, uh, isn't it?
1: I don't think in an email you can get across feeling it's you know some people feel tone some people f- don't feel the right thing in a voice in sound you can hear emotion mm-hmm. and so when you have a success or you have a win you can get something across and it means something to somebody so Get voice noting.
0: <laughs> you heard it here first, <laughs> Jacob. How about you? You've got loads of relationships to manage, thirty different markets. Again, feels like quite a lot of admin, but it's worth putting in the effort, isn't it, to nurture those?
3: Yeah, and uh, if I can't sit down in a pub with someone, I wouldn't do business with them, because you know, last week I helped my Japanese customer's son move uh, from uni to his flat. So uh, we're very close, you know, in that way, because. Uh, if there's, uh, I, I I hope that if my distributors have a problem, they would call me because we, we're that close. Uh, and some of them have stayed in my house. So uh, it's got to be someone you can work with long term, you know. Most mm-hmm. distributor relationships last longer than modern day marriages. I had a feeling <laughs> you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry.
0: So you need to know who you're uh, yes. getting into business with, yes, right? of course. Okay, good tip. And speaking of tips, we're going to wrap things up shortly. So I'd like to come yeah. to each of you okay. for a piece of advice. So your best piece of advice for anybody, you know, there might, there's a range of experiences here. Some people might be just taking their first steps mm. into exporting and international expansion, right? Um, and they probably look at you guys and you see miles ahead. So almost kind of thinking back to the beginning, is there anything that you wish that you'd known? And Jacob, you're on the edge of your seat there. You know, what what can you share with us?
3: Uh, I would say uh, make yourself discoverable because people don't want to be approached. They want to discover that you've got something new. So how would you discover yourself? How would you expect a buyer to discover you? So you need to make sure you're there when they're looking for you. So you can save a lot of effort because you don't have... That much uh, resources to be reaching out to all these people.
0: Okay, make yourself discoverable. Great tip. How about you, Johnny?
1: I, I find it so hard because I've got millions of things I want to say, and you know, along the way, it's all those tiny little things that make a difference. By like, you know, not standing at the back of your stand at a show, eating pizza. Stand at the front of your stand and talk to people. But that's just a real basic one, but it's a really good one. But communicating. I find that once you build this network of distributors, retailers, or even potential customers, uh, I'm a big fan of email marketing. Mm. So uh, I don't feel like we can, well, I do voice noting, as you know, but I don't feel like I can get to everybody all the time. But we've got so much good news and activity. So what we do is we have all our customers on there, uh, potential, uh, current, uh, all around the world, and we just constantly send out what we're up to. So whether it's a donation to a charity, a product launch, a celebrity use, some PR coverage, a retailer launch. So communicate, tell people what you're doing.
0: It's a fine line, though, isn't it? Just on the email thing, you don't want to bug people. I'm that person who unsubscribes to everything. Um, so yeah, how, um, do you, how do you tread that line? It looks like it might be a tricky one for you to tread. Uh,
1: no, because I, I really believe in the power of frequency, uh, I, I hear this story quite a lot of you "Oh, you know it really annoys me but they'll stay signed up to something and still go to that restaurant every three months and have a meal there and they don't know why it's because you keep getting that email of reminder but I mean obviously it's, it's different for everybody but I mean perhaps email maybe not email you know whether it's a voice note whether it's sending out some sort of brand book or just tell people what you're up to because you know, a no today is a yes tomorrow with retailers and some distributors.
0: We've been talking a lot about TikTok the last few days. Are you on TikTok?
1: I'm not personally, but I our think he'd be really is. good on
0: TikTok, wouldn't he? He'd Do be you great. think? Yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: My daughter's very good at it.
0: And last <laughs> but not least, Sean, please, pearls of wisdom.
2: I, I, I think it's. It, it, it's a truism to say you can only really control what you're in control of and so if you can if you can insource those things d- do so but but if you're going to have third-party relationships make sure those people have got the same values you've got because if you if you haven't then then you'll be in trouble at some point i think there is a really good opportunity at the moment because i, I don't know whether other people have seen it or not but in this let's hope we call it post pandemic world people I talk to are kinder and more collaborative than they were before. Yeah. And, and I think there's a real opportunity for people to do good business in, the, in that environment.
0: Oh, I think yeah. that's a great note to end on, isn't it? Nice. About, yeah, kind of being kind. Yeah. I think it's something that we all need to remember. So thank you for that. That's been an absolutely brilliant panel to end today. So Sean, really Johnny, it. Jacob, thank, thank you, you very much. Let's give them a round everybody.
3: Thank you.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Well, wow, and that's it, that's our last panel of the day. Uh, I think there was lots of kind of practical tips, lots of inspiration that we can take away. For those of you here with us in Kensington, of course, there is a VIP drinks reception. We hope you'll stick around and uh, share a glass or two with us. And in the meantime, listening intently backstage is Ollie. And I know this is one of his pet subjects, isn't it, Ollie?
4: Yeah, it is totally one of, my, uh, one of my loves, and Hannah, I think you and I uh, stood on the Golden Gate Bridge some years ago. I don't know if bike rides were involved on that particular day, on that trade mission, do you remember?
0: Uh, no, I don't think so. I have a separate Golden Gate Bridge anecdote that perhaps I'll share after a drink or two later. Oh, um, uh, <laughs> over a
4: glass of coconut water, I'm sure. Okay. Exactly. Um, but I really did. Carry on.
0: I was just going to say, what was your highlight there?
4: Well, I think... I mean, lots, actually. I mean, look at, look at Johnny, for Dr Pawpaw, pointing him at himself. Out, yeah. <laughs> 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 I just... I mean, I, I, it's great to hear about the numbers. It's great to hear about the countries. But I am always a sucker for those personal stories of how people got started, that first sip of coconut water actually on a beach in Brazil, that sort of aha moment. Uh, Mind you, the other thing I love, because I'm a sucker for this too, we talked about this earlier, Hannah, is that line between hustle and hassle and just seizing an opportunity. So Johnny's story about being on the train uh, with that individual. I I love that cheeky element, which gets uh, most business leaders and entrepreneurs, I love most out of bed in the morning. So uh, very keen to continue that conversation. Hannah, thank you for smashing it on the main stage this afternoon, massively grateful to you. Thank you, Ollie. Thank you. Well, off goes Hannah and uh, the team in their uh, London studio. But welcome backstage, by the way, it's Elite Business Live. Ollie Barrett, your co-host. Uh, very interesting conversations. Sean, can I pick on you? Is that all right? Sean Flanagan, come and say hi to me, please. Uh, very nice to see you, Adieu. Sean, Ollie. Uh, So, Avery, if you've caught the main session, then you'll know. But
2: Avery, say so this is printing, it's labels, it's physical products. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's anything sticky that you want to put some information on that that's <laughs> what we do yeah, yeah. And, and you do that uh, direct to consumer but also for a lot of businesses as well presumably yeah we've got a foundation business that's worked brilliantly for with for us for years and years and it's still important to us uh-huh. but, but but the real growth area is around our online offering for for, for entrepreneurs and small businesses to be able to label their products effectively Yeah. yeah. So, so, so just give me a sense because there's so much on virtual there's so much on
4: digital but what is it about real, tangible products that
2: still matters these days? What's it really about? Well, we still, we still have to get products into customers' hands. So no matter how we do it, whether that's, whether that's through distributors, whether, whether, it's, um, whether it's through retail offerings, people still have to use a product. And, you, and when people get a product, they want to be able to have that tactile haptic experience. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and that's what we try to focus on, um, t- to get the best products we can and the uh, best labelling or packaging we yeah,
4: can. Yeah, and I like that word experience because it is about how it makes people feel. Yeah, it's not it's not just the practicalities; it's Absolutely. more than that. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so, I've got some questions coming in. I'm going to put one to you, actually, Sean, if that's the right. So, um, I'm a small business with a. By the way, do send in your questions. Thank you. I'm a small business with a thriving customer base in the EU. I'm afraid of duties and taxes. Is it possible to test out a market before launch? a full-scale expansion abroad what do you say to that person? it,
2: it, it is um, uh, uh, as we talked a bit earlier administration is important and, and and entrepreneurs and small business owners are not naturally administrators so I think it's really important that we care about that and if you're not good at it yourself get somebody to help you with it yeah. but but then decide whether you whether your product you went how much of those costs you can absorb like we talked about um duty paid you know so you you are trying to absorb as much as you can so yeah. the customer feels no pain um or or, or or duty at place where there's a sort of partial arrangement so work out those things I think that I- is the key to starting a your arrangement but use your own expertise and then find a partner wherever you're trying to grow so, to
4: Good advice. So, so final question. We love our brothers and sisters in France, across the channel. What do you wish you'd known, because you lead the business and uh, run operations in the UK and France, what do you wish you'd known about doing business
2: in France, and dare I say, with wonderful French people? Um, Don't do what all Brits do, is is be all polite and be around the bush. French business people are pretty direct and, uh, and... and think nothing of it and what we think might be a bit rude isn't it's just having a conversation so learn to be able to work with slightly different cultures, I think. It's really... It's, it's all about what we talked about on stage, oh. about having good partnerships yeah. and common values.
4: Yeah, and, and, and did you have to learn that the hard way or could somebody help you navigate oh that? Oh, yeah, I've, I've, I've,
2: <laughs> yeah and I've tripped over some pretty big uh, humps in the ground. Well,
4: will I think. live on camera get a story on that? For no, you shouldn't. <laughs> 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 well, uh, well, we won't be sticking a label on that apart from yeah. censored for now. But uh, Sean Fallingham from Avery, very good to see you. Thank you very much Thank indeed. You. Thank you. Cheers. <laughs> to see. Uh, why don't we meet? Um, well, I think Jacob up next would be great if that's all right, Jacob Tindall. Uh, very nice to see you, Jacob. Pleasure uh, meeting our uh, sort of backstage audience. Some of them for the first time. Just uh, uh, so, Coco Fina. I've loved hearing that story. It's sort of many things coconut. So ju- just remind our viewer of the range, just in case they weren't listening to the previous chat. So
3: uh, we're a fully sustainable business in the sense that we use all the parts of the coconut. Uh, we use coconut water. We press the flesh to make oil. After the flesh is pressed, we u- make gluten-free flour with it. Uh, we ferment coconut sap into vinegar. Uh, we produce coconut sugar. So nothing mean, the, wasted. The list is endless. Yeah. Now, Now,
4: speaking of pressing the flesh, I have to do this, it's part of my thing. Um, you believe in meeting people face to face? Of course. Okay. You haven't really been able to do that for two years. Unfortunately, and, and also I'm missing traveling as well. Right. Now, I heard that wanderlust coming through. What's your top tip, practical tip for building relationships when you can't be in person?
3: Yeah, I guess uh, you've got to come through uh, when you're on an electronic channel. Like, you come across so well, because I was, wa- I was watching you from the green room, and I was saying, like, you're made for T V. So the <laughs> shopping you got channel beckons maybe. Yes. Yeah. So you got so <laughs> we can you sell a lot of coconut yogurt together. <laughs> of course. So we gotta uh, come across that channel and it's got a lot of limitations because a lot of signals are lost across the internet, you know. <laughs> yeah. So we gotta take that time to try and know people, build that trust, build a relationship because when you meet someone for real, there's a lot of stuff that you take for granted. Right. Like you look at the body language, you can see how, you know, how they approach you. Yeah. You can't, because most of the time you even have a skin on the Zoom. You
4: right. know? And you and say time is an important factor there. Why don't I uh, run a question past you from our audience. Thank you for this. Um, you talked a little bit about this, but the biggest challenges you faced uh, and what you did to overcome it. So maybe pick one that we haven't talked about so far, because uh, you know, you're not afraid to talk about those humps in the way.
3: No the one of the challenges was getting those listings and uh some of the listings I actually walked away from because they were not worth having uh. but 10 years down the line those listings have come back what it shows is uh one can you survive in the meantime mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh we as a business we don't have any like debts uh uh-huh. so you know, if another five years came and it was very hard, mm. I know that I would survive, yeah, but it's important to not you know when the door doesn 't open you don 't just walk away
4: yes you keep going back so one one other thing then um, you got offers from five dragons, you went into due diligence with two, which ones Sarah and Nick Sarah. Willingham and Nick Jenkins. Yeah, Nick Jenkins from Moonpig. Yeah. Okay. So great guys. With retrospect so nothing dismissive about them. With retrospect, which ones should you have gone with? Sarah and Nick. <laughs> Are you sure? Yes. Are you absolutely sure? Yes. Final answer? Yes. Alright. Okay. Well, Jacob and uh, from CocoFina. Fina. Really good to see you. Good luck with the business. Really inspired Thank to see you. what you're doing. Thank you very I much. I learned from you. <laughs> <laughs> Good to see you. Coconut fan, I am, absolutely. No, no cow's milk for me, I'm afraid. Uh, but uh, by no means least, uh, Johnny Patterson, come on down. Nice Good to see you Good to see you again. Very well. Thank Thank Do you. you know, on that stage, the blueness of your eyes doesn't really come across, Johnny, but no. it does on camera. Yes. Can you see this? Okay. No, it's so genuinely. <laughs> you, know, you know why I've saved you to last, don't why? you? Why? Well, why? Well, I just think you're great. Oh, and you, no, seriously, but you're no, the great. I'd, and I had a good time together. Great British, great British Entrepreneur of the Year. Yes, Grand 2020. Prix. You do something very interesting, which yes. is you attract great people to work with you, don't yes. you? Yes. Yeah. What's the secret to that, then? Um, well, I mean, I think we're, we're
1: always looking for different types of people. I think that's yeah. the thing. You want to make sure that you've got a real mix in your workplace. So diversity, which you'd, you would expect. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, trying to find people that are really like-minded. We're... I'm a fun person, my wife's a fun person, so we want to pull people in that are like-minded. But yeah, just that diversity, I think, is really, really important.
4: And being open-minded in that sense. So so, so who then, because you inspire a lot of people, who are your business heroes then? Who are you looking at going, that's a trail?
1: Oh, well, I mean, I've got lots. uh, I I I mean, uh, I've always been a big fan. I mean, it's quite boring, but Steve Jobs, but Mm -hmm. more recently, Stephen Bartlett. Uh, I've just come back from seeing Diary of a CEO, which was amazing. I mean, honest podcast, isn't it? Well, I didn't really get how this show would work. We're having a huge gospel choir behind him. and he oh, no, live, inspiration. you mean, yeah, 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 the live. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry, live. Yes. Fantastic. Uh, and I've read his book, Happy Sexy Millionaire, which mm-hmm. again was great. So, I mean, he's somebody that I'm really uh, looking up to at the moment. But then, there's lots of people in my industry as well, which you know, beauty industry that yeah. I'm always looking at and thinking, wow, how do they do that? How so, do so they keep going?
4: And in terms of Looking at people, how close attention do you pay to competition? Never. Why not?
1: I I just believe there's enough people in the world for them to buy enough lip balm <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that we don't really need to own everybody. And I, I've always felt like that. I think maybe I didn't at the start. So if I'm being honest, probably in the first few years I was always worried. We actually had a few competitors mm-hmm, who mm-hmm. copied us at the start and mm-hmm. direct uh competitors but i knew over time that actually there was plenty and our businesses continue to grow and grow each year so i don't worry i do look at what they're doing i admire them i respect them i will say good things about them um yeah no, i don't no, no. i don't worry no, it's, a, it's, it's nothing it's to worry about no, it's a ch-
4: exactly it's a chill yeah. philosophy there's plenty for everyone abundance yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah um if you knew it would go well which market would you enter with two feet tomorrow Ooh great oh, great question uh well, there is a market
1: that we're working really hard on, Go so, on. Uh, China. Okay. Yeah, so we currently do cross-border trading because of testing on animals. And as you probably know, the, the legislation is changing where they will not test on animals yeah. anymore. Uh, the Chinese market has a huge uh, admiration for the pawpaw fruit. Mm-hmm, we mm. have pawpaw fruit
4: in our products. Big synergy there. Okay, so, well, I get it.
1: Yeah, Yeah. so we're, somewhere we, we would really like to try and uh, win.
4: So, so, so how British is Dr. Poor Poor, and if so, what are, you, what are you leveraging there? Well, I'm British, um, so that's 50% of the business. Uh, <laughs> my, my wife is Australian, yeah. so but, but I mean, are you, are you sort of harnessing any of those values in there? I mean, overtly, I mean. Oh,
1: definitely. I mean, our, our um, how do I say um, our tenacity, I think, is it's uh, truly British. Yeah. I mean, the you way you we're ta- we're
4: do you talk about it, though.
1: All the time. All all the time. I mean, that's, I mean, we are a UK export champion.
4: Right. And so what do you say to someone who's quite sceptical going, do you know, and I'll be honest, we are supported by the Department for International Trade, but I want to hear it from you about why that sort of organisation can be helpful.
1: I wouldn't be doing the export that I'm doing today if it wasn't for the Department of International Trade. So what did they do in particular? Well, you could say it was that cheekiness where I met that lady on the train, <laughs> but she introduced me to the Department for International Trade. They gave me the funding to go to Bologna, the confidence to go to Bologna, yeah. Cosmoprof, and do the show. They gave me the funding for the next three years to yeah. go. They, they helped me go to uh, China, yeah. Hong Kong, so they gave me the confidence, and then they gave me lots of knowledge. They introduced me to retailers, so... Um, If you haven't started exporting, you Mm. really do need to talk to
4: the Department for International Trade. Love it. So, Dr. Popor, awesome, awesome journey. Thank you. where's, Where's Johnny Patterson going on his journey? Uh, as personally or business? Broadly, life is, you know, the the, the open seas are there to be road. Yeah,
1: I, I mean, the, the business has got so much further to go. I mean, we're only at the start of our journey and it's seven years. Uh, after winning the Great British Entrepreneur of the Year, thank you to Francesca and the team, uh, we have now been talking to many potential investors and we are perhaps looking at investment for the end of this year. Interesting. Uh, which will help uh, uh, catapult our business into many more territories. Yep. Uh Uh, Then we will then look at um, diversifying the line, bringing in new lines. You could blow that investment open. I
4: would have £10 to offer if it would be useful to you, Johnny. (laughs) If we go to the bar. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well look, you you are balm for the soul uh, as you, well sir. as for the lips. So thank, thank, you, thank you very you much. <laughs> Johnny Panser, very thank you, nice you so be. much. Thank you. let me obviously Johnny. It's uh, he's that obviously the co-founder of Dr. Poorpour and our final uh, guest. So what remains for me to say is we've reached uh, the finishing line of Elite Business Live and that's why I get to be rejoined by my co-host Hannah Previtt. Hello.
0: Hello. Look at you flirting with Johnny. With but it's his just blue the product. Eyes. I'm just
4: after him. <laughs> <laughs> the Frank Sinatra of entrepreneurship. I've always. <laughs>
0: and who like told you you asked him a brilliant question. Didn't say that to me. I'm a bit offended. I'm gonna take it's that just, up with him. It, it's just
4: because it's unusual when I'm <laughs> asking him a brilliant question. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the, the default. Um, well, deep breath. We've made it.
0: Oh, haven't we just? What a two days it has been. It's been an incredible journey. So thank you, all of you, for tuning in at home. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have here. Ollie, would you share a couple of your highlights?
4: Yeah, I mean... I'm always drawn to share stuff that's sort of recent in my mind. So I think of potential because it's felt through two years and more of effective lockdown uh, that this island nation has felt a bit isolated. So I have felt more connected. Um, And what's very interesting is actually being in a studio with real, actual people. And yet they weren't all from london indeed many of them were born outside london so i was sort of drawn back to that sort of connected theme of um business thrives on diverse interesting conversations so that that's my big takeaway how about you
0: yeah i think again about kind of positivity so Mm -hmm. you know it has been a really tricky couple of years there's still challenges on the horizon you know we've talked a couple of times about what's happening in ukraine at the moment and i know our thoughts are with them but even despite all the gloom, there's lots to be positive about, right? And there's lots of thriving businesses, startups, scale-ups, and you know, they're just all doing something really magical. And I just think capturing that and getting them all in a room, and be it virtual, partly, is just really special.
4: And, and I have enjoyed that honesty um, of not being, ever, not being afraid to talk about those challenges, not being afraid to share the stuff they wish they'd known. Um, I think it would be useful just to say a couple of things because we get the sort of easy bit, if I'm allowed to say that, sort of, uh, you know, gadding around as as the co-hosts. But behind us, quite literally, uh, have been some amazing supporters. So so I just want to say, if it wasn't for organisations like the British Business Bank, like Starling, like Vistage, uh, like the Department for International Trade, like Vodafone, uh, we couldn't bring it all together. So I think it's really important to thank them and all of the other partners from Action Coach, uh, Aston Lark, Avery, Connex Hub, Octopus Energy, and Swoop. So, uh, so, so, j- just to say personally, I know everyone involved will channel that. Thank you to everyone that supported it this year.
0: Absolutely, and all of our technical team who've all been absolutely incredible and kept us honest.
4: Yeah, and and it, it is a bit like sort of being thrown into the world of sort of television broadcast because this has all been captured. So if you're catching up on it, um, then then that's only thanks to an amazing team. So if I may say, uh, kudos and thanks to Jordan Petru, to Scott English who masterminded the whole thing because actually it's those brains that work year round that make it easy for us to be here.
0: Absolutely. Although speak for yourself on the easy front. I didn't mean that to sound uh, quite like that. So, save the dates. Tell us about that,
4: Yes. So, coming up, well, indeed, next year. So, uh, it's already in the diary. Please put it in yours the 9th and 10th of March at the ILEC in earl's court so it's coming back whether or not our invitations will be in the post <laughs> is another matter uh, <laughs> but, uh, but 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 actually i've hugely enjoyed it i must say
0: and so have i but let's just remind people where they can get their tickets because they are going on sale from june this year and you can register your interest now go to elitebusinessevent.co.uk forward slash register
4: well i think we should say that one more time if it hasn't appeared on screen <laughs> elitebusinessevent.co.uk forward slash register
0: Exactly that. So all that's left to remain is to say thank you so much for having us. It's been an absolute pleasure. And from us here in the studio in London, thank you and goodbye.
4: Goodbye.